Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you guys so very much. Uh, Just getting some donations from out-of-state listeners is always so encouraging to us. And so I just want to thank you guys streaming online at uh, Q90FM.com. That's the radio station in Green Bay, Wisconsin, that powers Stand Up For The Truth. So thank you. And continue to share us on social media. The, the um, amounts of uh, podcast downloads are increasing recently. We're so thankful for that. As you know, we are censored and shadow banned on uh, most media, social media. So it is because of you, the body of Christ, that we're getting this out there. So uh, praise God for that. Lord, we ask that you'd uh, open up our hearts today to what you would want us to uh, learn, what w- you would want us to do with the information we are about to hear And we pray, Lord, that we would be able to get back to the basics and away from all the distractions and the busyness in our lives and recognize the importance of a relationship with you, Jesus, and then our marriage, our families, our children. And it starts at home. Lord, strengthen marriages, families today in Jesus' name, especially in the church, and help us be examples in our culture and good witnesses for Christ and how to raise strong Christian equipped children. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before I introduce our guest, um, in the third segment today, we're not going to get to all this, but I got an email from uh, Virginia. What is going on in Virginia in the public schools there? But I got an email from a parent um, whose teachers found out his son is in second grade, and the teachers there are apparently promoting uh, vaccines to grade schoolers. They're not supposed to be doing that. Well, we'll talk about that email. Also, conflict of interest. Just found out a breaking news story and some research that's uh, been done. Bill Gates gave $319 million to major liberal media outlets. And so we'll talk about that. We have proof and extensive uh, research on that. And Joe Biden is in trouble, not in trouble, But OSHA suspended the enforcement of Biden's vaccine mandate, and uh, there's going to be more court cases on that. And finally, like I said, we won't get to the details on these, so we'll put this in the podcast notes. Um, The next stage of rebellion in our culture, normalizing pedophilia. Are they really going to try to do that? Well, they've done it with homosexuality and transgenderism, and now there's a professor at Old Dominion University that's uh, talking about minor attractive, attracted, minor attracted people and saying we've got to destigmatize these people. They can't, you know, they were born that way. They can't help it. So anyway, we'll talk about that if we have time in the third segment. But I'm so thankful today to bring on a new guest, and it is Dr. Greg Smalley. He serves as the vice president of marriage and family formation at Focus on the Family. In his role, he develops and oversees uh, initiatives that prepare individuals for marriage strengthen and nurture existing marriages, and that's what we're going to focus on much of today, and also helping couples in marital crisis. Uh, Prior to joining Focus on the Family, he worked for the Center for Relationship Enrichment 
at John Brown University as president of the National Institute of Marriage. And uh, Dr. Smalley is also the author of 17 books, I think 18 now, because he's got a brand new one out called Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Marriage. Dr. Greg Smalley, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Hey, David. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, we're blessed to have you on. So before we get into some of the topics and uh, your background, I just missed you. I was in Colorado Springs a couple days ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was at a church there. I spoke up in um, Sedalia, which is right next to Castle Rock, south of Denver. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. went We went to um, the Garden of the Gods, and we went mm. up to the top of Pike's Peak, and I don't know that I would ever do that again. <laughs> And, and you know what I'm talking about because of the the, the drive the road up there. You, they don't believe in guardrails in Colorado. No. So um, have you been up to the top? I have. I've actually hiked it. So oh my it's, goodness! It's a much, it's a much better kind of hike. Although you, you scramble on boulders to kind of get to the very top, and then all of a sudden you kind of pull yourself up. You're exhausted, sweaty, and you end up in a parking lot. <laughs> with with all these tourists, and so it was. It's kind of a letdown there, but yeah. there, there's so many great mountains to climb in Colorado, and we love doing that. Yeah, they've. What he's talking about, they have a visitor brand new, by the way. It's beautiful, big visitor center at the top of Pikes Peak, where you can. There's a little cafe there. There's um, you can get get. Uh, there's a store. Uh, you can get souvenirs and uh, restaurants. Donuts. That's history. what it's known for. Donuts at the at the top yeah. of Pike Peak. Yeah. Pike speak. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, well, uh, Dr. Smalley, we're thankful to have you on today. Um, Thank you. You've written a lot of books. Uh, so let's just talk about your background. Yeah. Because um, you've become an expert on the subject of marriage, and you've implemented a lot of things in your own marriage. And we're going to talk about that possibly in the next segment, uh, particularly uh, the, the, your early struggles and or whenever you want to share that and you and now make it a point to study a marriage book together every Christmas. I read that somewhere. So your background, Greg, uh, what kind of family you grew up in, how you, you, you went this way for your career and your studies? Yeah. yeah, I was blessed to grow up in the home of a guy named Gary Smalley, yep. who <laughs> was one of the kind of the original marriage and family experts and taught conferences and on marriage and wrote all kinds of stuff, did videos in, and really, I, I never felt a pressure that I had to follow in my father's footsteps, and actually, I was headed to law school, and and that's when the, the Lord kind of got a hold of me, and, and ended up, I, I started into a counseling program, and just absolutely loved it, and felt that that was a way that I could complement kind of the, the work that my dad was doing. Because we'd have so many people who'd come to the events going, man, we, lo- we love the book, they'll love the video, we love the conference, but we just can't, you know, take what you're saying and apply it. We're in crisis. And mm-hmm. so kind of with a team, um, developed a, a four-day, what we call the marriage intensive. It's kind of a marriage ER. Hmm. And I tell you what, that, that's been, outside of being married for 30 years, that's really been the the best education that, that I've gotten on just how to help couples was when you've got five couples in a group for four days, all on the brink of divorce. Mm, um, wow. And we, we learned some amazing things over the, the last 20 years of doing that. And so, but I tell you my, my, my most proud um, accomplishment is that my wife and I are celebrating 30 years this year, this May, Praise our God. 30th wedding anniversary. 
Congratulations. And I know that has not come without trials or, no. uh, yeah, hills and valleys in your marriage. And um, in fact, if, if you want to talk about a little bit about that now, um, yeah. that's great. We'll mention your books and we'll get into Reconnected a little bit and also talk about uh, what I, I was emailed by someone that that represents Focus. And I it was fascinating because COVID has changed so much of the yeah. way we live. And we haven't really talked a lot about how it affect how it has impacted marriage and family with yeah. more people working from home and other things. But um, so just share a little bit about that, about your early struggles. Yeah, definitely. So here I grew up in the home of Gary Smalley. I was getting my doctorate in, in marriage and family. Uh, as I was engaged walking into marriage, I was, I was honestly pretty confident confident, mm -hmm. um, probably pretty arrogant, mm. thinking, uh, we got this figured out, we, we know what we're doing. And it was probably three years into our marriage that I thought we were one more argument away from, from Aaron leaving. Wow. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget the time a, a, a friend of Aaron's called over looking for her, and, and the woman said, you know, hey, Greg, is Aaron around? I said, no, she's gone. And this this lady's response, she went, oh, she goes, Greg, I'm so sorry. My husband and I were so afraid that this was going to happen. Oh, my goodness. And I went, wait, what? I like, she's gone. Like, she's at the store, it, right? Like, wow. what, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. And after this sort of awkward pause, um, this woman said, I'm so embarrassed, but honestly, we, my husband and I can tell that they're, they're, you guys aren't doing well. How about you guys come over tonight and, and let's talk? And David, honestly, that was the first time that Aaron and I were able to be honest and, and real about what we were going through. And, just the, and, and for us, it, it, it marked the beginning of, of just our journey to doing you know marriage differently than, mm. than we had been. It wasn't working. And for Aaron and I, we really... I, we, we got stuck dealing with conflict, and you know there were so many good things about our marriage. And we actually, on our second wedding anniversary, had our daughter Taylor, and, and so I mean there was a lot of good. We had fun together, went to church, loved the Lord, both mm -hmm. of us. It just we could not manage conflict in a way that worked. We wow. would get so stuck and so stuck in this this cycle that every time we tried to deal with whatever. The topic was we just would spin around and around, and eventually we were so stuck that that our hearts began to harden, and mm. and I didn't understand that, and and I tell you, Aaron's heart was very hardened towards me, and we were in big trouble, and thankfully the Lord brought this couple into our lives that just said, hey, you you guys aren't going anywhere. We're gonna walk with you. Let's get you into some help. We got into counseling. They started mentoring us, and by God's grace, you know, we we started to turn things around. And now, mm -hmm. thirty years later, I I love my wife. I love our marriage. It's not perfect. Um, just the other day, we had a big argument as we were driving, as she was lovingly quote-unquote, lovingly correcting how I was driving. <laughs> but anyway, so so we still go through those. It was hard times, but, you know, I think more than anything, we've, we've just learned some important things that, that help us just stay strong and growing on this, this journey called marriage. Can you talk a little bit about during that time, 
when you recognize there were problems in the first couple of years of your marriage, two, three years, or whatever that time frame was, the pressure you felt that prevented you from maybe being vulnerable and that you were the son of Dr. Gary Smalley, author of 40 books on marriage and founder of the Smalley Relationship Center. Did that put a lot of pressure on you and did that prevent you from maybe getting help sooner or how did that just tell us about that experience? Yeah, great question. I absolutely it 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 contributed to to feeling embarrassed and Mm. there's something wrong with me with with Aaron with our marriage something's going on and we should be doing great. There's no reason I can't go. Well, I you know never had anybody model how to have a good marriage. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have those excuses that, that a lot of people genuinely, you know, that was their experience. But I tell you what, what I think is universal. I, I think that most couples feel um, alone and feel that their problems are unique, that they're the only ones going through that, which is what Aaron and I felt. And so I think you. I I think the evil one really, you know, the father of lies, I think Mm -hmm. a part of the lie is that that you're alone, that that you have to to look and act perfectly. People won't understand what you're going through. And it's it's those that that feel alone and isolate themselves. That's that's who he's going after. I mean, the Bible talks about he's a he's a lion and lions go after the injured and the 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 isolated and that's exactly what we were. We were totally alone and isolated by our own choice and, and ashamed of what was going on, felt uh-huh. so helpless. We couldn't figure out how to do this differently. And and we were wounded mm-hmm. and injured. And in that combination, boy, that, that just that, that that makes it so difficult for couples because they bought into the lie. Yes. That that no one can help. You know, and and then Satan just attacks. Uh, like I really saw Aaron as both the problem and the solution. You know, I mean, I, I of course knew it wasn't perfect, but it's so much easier to see what what our spouse is doing that we don't like. And I would say, I literally would say stupid things to her, like, you know, if when there's when you're upset, if you just come to me soft, and and you just say, hey, can we sit down and talk? We could talk about anything. So you change, you do that differently, and then I'll feel better, and we'll be better. <laughs> and and it's just it, the it's just the ridiculousness of the commitment that I had to change her hmm. into my image of what of what I thought she should be and how we should be as a couple. I mean, I spent so many years just just trying to do that in vain because hmm. it doesn't work. I and mean, I tell you what, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be someone who tries to manipulate and control my wife so that I feel better. That's an awful place mm. to be, and that's why I felt so helpless. Is because I couldn't, I, I couldn't change her, and certainly, I didn't know what to do. And so we we were in a really tough place. And like I said, fortunately, God brought a great mentor couple into our life, and we got help, and we we definitely turned things around. Uh, speak to the. F- fact that a lot of people, whether you're in a Christian relationship, marriage, or whether you are not, just, uh, you know, not believers, but marriage is very difficult and takes a lot of work. It's worth it in the end, and it's so very important, and God really values marriage, but it's a lot of work, and a lot of people, I think, going in uh, don't recognize that, and if you don't keep up with 
that cultivating cultivating a strong relationship as you know you know you've written about for years um you know it's easy to take your spouse for granted yeah the the way i i love to talk about marriage as the ultimate adventure it's the greatest <laughs> journey that we any of us will ever undertake in this life and in a part of that journey the reality is that we are going to have those peaks and valleys we you know like like you describe you know going to the top of pike's peak well you know having climbed that man there were there were amazing moments that that Aaron and I are walking through the forest and we're laughing and talking and by a little stream mm-hmm. and then there were really hard moments of of that climb to the top and i think that's that's the best analogy of marriage it's just we're on this 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 long beautiful amazing difficult climb in to the top and we'll never get there i mean we'll die before that but that's okay it in and and I love to help people understand it's the the beauty of the journey is not getting to the destination. You know, when we climbed to the top of a Pikes Peak, like I told you, it was actually horrible because you just end up in a parking lot full <laughs> of all these tourists, you know, looking for donuts at the top of a fourteen thousand foot <laughs> peak. But but so it's it's really not about the end destination. It's the the day to day struggle. It's the day to day just doing life together that that I think is the beautiful part of marriage. But I tell you, 1 Corinthians 7:28, Paul says that for those who marry, you will face trouble. And so it's right there. You know, we never see that verse, you know, <laughs> uttered at a wedding. I don't That's know right. why. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, and so I always tell people it it's the struggle of that journey of of the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and the lows that that make us who we are, both as individuals and as a couple. And it's that amazing opportunity that that for a lot of people they shy away. They 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 well, you know, you you hear this is one of my pet peeves. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll be real with you. So here's one of my pet peeves. Sure. You see it in every movie. So we're in Hallmark Christmas movie season. We're in, you just think of how many times you hear people say, "Well, I just want, you know, my my child, or I just want this person just to be happy." Mm. And and man, where is that in the scripture? Exactly. I don't. You know, my goal in my marriage is not to be happy. My goal is to grow with my wife as a as an individual and as Amen. a couple. Amen. That that to me is the is the worthy endeavor. It's it's not about happiness. It's about man. How do we just keep growing and mm-hmm. learning? Because I tell you what, we both constantly we're, we we always change. I always tell people I've been married to, to five different women, all named Aaron. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> who Aaron was, you know, when I met her as a teenager, who she was in her twenties and thirties and forties, and now fifties. And those are all different women, amazing <laughs> women, and I love each one of those women, and and I'm so grateful that I've gotten to know those women along along our journey. But but it, it's all about are are we willing as a couple just to keep growing and learning, staying update updated and current. Remember remember the old music group uh, uh, Journey. Yes, remember? of course. Yeah. So they have this great con- song called Faithfully. Mm-hmm. And, and there's one of my favorite lines ever. It says that I get the joy of rediscovering you. Yes. And, and that, like like that, instead of saying I want happiness, man, 
I want to rediscover my wife every mm-hmm. day. There's a new a new opportunity just to to know this incredibly fascinating person mm-hmm. that that I've been journeying with for 30 years. But man, what if that was our goal inside of marriage, just to rediscover each other? Amen. Today. Amen. Rediscovering. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about your book, Reconnected. So maybe have a theme going here with Dr. Greg Smalley. And of course, he's the vice president of marriage and family formation at Focus on the Family. We're going to talk about how COVID, the pandemic and people working from home affected marriages and also why January is the highest month for divorce filings. Interesting. More in just a minute on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Dr. Greg Smalley, focused on the family marriage and family formation. I just want to mention some of the books that I did not in the intro. Um, So many books he and his wife have written and he has written solo, Fight Your Way to a Better Marriage, the DNA of Parent and Teen Relationships, The Wholehearted Marriage, Ready to Wed, a complete premarital curriculum for engaged couples, and the online Focus on Marriage Assessment. They also released Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to Lifelong Romance, and what we're going to be talking about in just a minute, Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Marriage. So, uh, Greg, let's talk about how COVID really affected marriages and kind of opened people's eyes to their spouses again as they were, a lot of them, stuck at home, either working together or taking care of the kids who were not in school. Share a little bit about what you uh, n- uh, learned during that time as far as uh, the effect on marriages. Yeah, I think all of us kind of within our marriage, we get good at ignoring some some deeper issues, and we we're able to distract through work, through raising kids, friends, hobbies, that we kind of ignore in these deeper issues. And and what was unique about COVID and the quarantine is that it was like a big spotlight then was was shined upon those those issues. Mm. And all of a sudden, the way that we usually would would avoid and ignore and and mask those things, it was gone. And so for a lot of us, it just the, these these issues, you know, bubbled up to the surface in in it was either you were going to deal with those or people said, I it just I don't want this anymore. I just I just can't take this. And so I'll tell you, for, for Aaron and I, um, there there it exposed within our own marriage uh, an issue that we really needed to deal with. And we went and saw a marriage counselor and. And it was so good just to really get in to kind of what was what was going on for us, mm. and 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 I think that's for a lot of couples that's what happened. It's just the issues that they were so great at hiding and avoiding, you couldn't do that. And and that's a that's a great thing because I tell you, one of the things that was really hard for me personally during COVID is that our oldest daughter was uh, on her third wedding anniversary, which was just a couple months before COVID really hit, um, her husband came home and told her he was done. Wow. And he wanted a divorce. And so that was really a big part of what we experienced through COVID was walking with our oldest daughter through that. Mm. And that's a that's a horrible season. And, and, and it made me 
kind of reflect on my own marriage and in my own who I was as a husband going, man, what do I need to deal with? Because I don't want to, I don't want to go through what, what my daughter went through. And my daughter did a great job of getting help. But I tell you that impacted our entire family. We were all super close to my ex son-in-law. And, and so that, that was a, it was a dark season, not just because of COVID, but because of that. But I think what it's done for me is it's caused me to step back and go, you know, there's so many great things that we can do inside of our marriage. And trust me, I've written on <laughs> on most of them. But I tell you, if I was just to, to give one piece of advice to a couple, I would honestly say, make your goal to grow as an individual and as a couple. And I think that's a big part of the battle because it's easy just to become complacent within our marriage and just kind of get into those routines and just keep doing what we've always done. And, and, and there's something so powerful and important about making sure, am I growing as an individual? Am I dealing with the junk? We all have junk. We all have issues. I have plenty. Am I dealing with that stuff? Mm-hmm. Am I going to a counselor to, to help me continue to grow? And what are we doing then within our marriage just to take another step forward. And I think if we are committed to to growing as individuals and as a couple, honestly, that's going to take care of 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 a lot of 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 a lot of issues. You don't have to figure out what 50 things do I need to do this year, you know, to strengthen my marriage. Man, just focus on growing. Greg, we have um probably a good number of single uh listeners who have either never been married or who have been divorced, and other than the advice of uh, cultivate your relationship with the Lord Jesus and work on, you know, building your own faith uh, first and foremost, and maybe even becoming, instead of looking for the right person, becoming the right person if they desire to get marriage. What other advice would you give a single person or a divorced person in this time? Yeah. You know, Satan is the father of lies, and part of his strategy on this earth is to take the experiences that we all go through, the hard stuff, the painful stuff, and he turns those things into lies that get written onto our hearts. So mm. those those experiences that are painful, it, it, there's messages then about who we are. And and I tell you, repetition is a powerful argument. When when we all go through these things, I might end up feeling like a failure, unloved, worthless, not good enough. And those things become deep lies on our heart that we buy into, and that's the stuff that impacts our marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked into my marriage, and, and again, I had no, I couldn't have verbalized this back then, but I tell you, I walked into my marriage, one of the lies on my heart was that I was a failure. And so anytime my wife would bring up an issue or something that I did that hurt her, frustrated her, I would just hear that as one more example of why I'm a failure. Hmm. So what would I do? I would argue, I'd debate. I, I wasn't willing to hear her because it, it made me feel so failed. Simple stuff. And 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 I, again, had no idea that that, that, that lie on my heart was, was making me not willing to even listen to Aaron when there was a problem. And so that was a part of why we struggled is that that we we weren't able to talk through and work through our issues because no way it just made me feel more and more failed, and you know I, I love in John 
where it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes. I think that's a big part of what God desires for us here on this earth, is he wants our hearts free of these lies. He He wants to, to love people through our hearts, our open hearts, and, and yet the lies tend to cause us to shut down. And, and, and God can't use us the way that he wants to. And it's a huge impact in, into a marriage. And, and that's why I always encourage you know, young people, singles, you know, as, as you prepare for your relationship or even for marriage, I just think that's one of the best things you can do is begin to get some clear awareness. What What is that lie? Mm. Identify the lie. Yes. And, and like my, my, you know, my daughter who went through the divorce at some point, they were dividing up assets, which, you know, horrible experience mm. in, in her um, now, ex-husband said, "You know, you're not the only one that doesn't want this divorce." Of course, my daughter goes, "Awesome, great, let's go. We'll get help. We'll get into counseling." And he goes, "Well, yeah, that's true. We could do that, but I've thought about it, and you're just not worth it." Mm. That is how lies get written onto our hearts. We hear people say things, they do things to us, and all of a sudden, Satan takes that stuff with a you know, with a flint tool, a chisel, and just chisels, you're not worth it. You're worthless. And so, you know, as I've journeyed with my old oldest daughter, Taylor, through this, that's been a big part of what I've just constantly encouraged her is to recognize the lie that Satan wants you to believe in, that you're just not worth it. Mm. And then to, to hold that up to the Lord, to go, God, what is truth? How do you see me? When God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully created, when he says that you're made in his image, when he says you're his treasured possession, and Jesus says that you're his glorious inheritance, when he calls you his masterpiece, see, that's what's true. And and, and that's the only way we can deal with these lies, is we have to go, God, what is true about me? And mm. we can find that in the scriptures, we can find that through praying to him, how he can use other people to speak that truth into our life. But but it has to be something that we understand that Satan is, all of us have these lies, mm-hmm. and they do impact our marriage and our relationships. So let's fight back. And the mm-hmm. only way you fight back, we are not, the culture is not truth. You know, I am not the source of truth. And that's what the culture wants you to believe, that you're your own truth. I mean, mm-hmm. we hear that. Yep. I mean, that's literally the argument. You are your own truth. No, God is truth, as he says very clearly. And, and all we have to do is hold the lie up to his truth. Mm-hmm. And that's how we begin to heal from, from the lies that will impact every single one of your relationships. I love that. Hold the lie of the enemy up to the truth of Christ, God's truth. Um, why do more people get divorced in January and then in August, the, the first and second highest month for divorced, divorce filings? What, I can't figure that out, but I know you yeah. know the answer to that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's if you think about, so if, if January is the highest— here you've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, you've got holidays. Often people go, let's give our marriage one last shot. Uh, so let's get through yes. the holidays. Let's really connect. And then summertime, so August, it's the same logic that here we have summer vacations and we'll have all this time to reconnect. 
and figure out how how to fix whatever's broken. And oftentimes, when that doesn't happen, then then that hopelessness of well, you know, through Christmas and the holidays, we gave it a shot, it didn't work, which is why you see January really being the highest. And, and what's unfortunate is that our a marriage can't survive from holiday to holiday, from date night to date night, from vacation to vacation. It puts too much pressure on those seasons to somehow make up for the rest of the year of being disconnected or whatever problems. They don't magically go away just because we're in a holiday time or, or through a vacation. And, and the point being is that, that as we're recognizing things aren't going well, that's the moment where hearts are still somewhat open that we've got to jump in and get get real help from mm-hmm. a Christian marriage counselor who can really help us tap into God's power and to learn some new things. But but it makes sense if you think about it that if the holidays, one last shot, a vacation during summer, one last shot, when that doesn't work, then it's just that they're, they're so discouraged, so mm-hmm. deflated, feel so hopeless and helpless that it makes sense, sadly, why that becomes the highest dates for filing. Thank you. That does make sense. And, I, you know, it's very logical if you think about it. Um, I think people have optimism during those times. Like, let's give right. it one last shot. But it's, it's sad right. that they even have that thinking. One more one more shot. Um, we've got a little bit of time left with you. And I, I do want to ask, before we wrap up uh, in just a few minutes, the Thanksgiving or Christmas maybe traditions that you have, you and Aaron. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to mention your book, Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Marriage. Just one sentence out of the description of the book. Over time, the business of life creeps in, and even the yeah. most deeply committed couples can feel like they're living parallel lives rather than enjoying life together. So share a little bit about uh, why you decided that this book at this time and uh, what's in it maybe. Yeah, we hear that all the time as we work with couples, that I love him, I'm committed to him, but man, I just feel so disconnected, feel like we're nothing more than married roommates, and none Mm. of us walk down the aisle, stood at the altar before God and friends to go, man, I can't wait till we feel like married roommates. We just, that's, (laughs) that's not what we long for. We long for that deep connection, and, and what I see a lot of couples do is take communication. So much of our communication begins to revolve around how do we administrate our marriage? How do we figure out the budget, the who's picking up which kid when, the task, the to-do list? So it's almost like anytime we actually can talk, all we do is end up have a business meeting, which we have to. I mean, it takes a lot to manage a family. But sadly, for those couples, it just that becomes just so unfulfilling because it's, it's boring. It's a boring business meeting. And that's why Aaron and I, we think one of the best tips that that we do for our marriage is that we spend 10 minutes a day in what's called inner life communication. That's the, 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 the feelings, the hopes, the dreams, the worries, the anxieties, just what's really going on down deep. And what we're constantly trying to do is we spend 10 minutes a day just we're trying to stay current and updated. What's really going on? with you underneath the surface. And and we do this real simply by going, what was the high of your day and the low of your day? What was the best part of your day and, and a difficult part of your day? And we can do this on a walk. We can do this at the dinner table. Our, our kids love 
doing the same thing. We can do this laying in bed at night. Mm-hmm. But it's a commitment. That conversation will never happen on its own. Exactly. The business meeting stuff will always fly at you. You don't have to even try to have those conversations. You got to have them. <laughs> but if we're not intentional going, I want to at least spend 10 minutes a day rediscovering what's really going on in your life, what was the high or the low of your day. It's just a simple way that Aaron and I stay connected. We mm-hmm. stay current. You know, we get to rediscover each other, and that makes such a big difference. Wow, that's some of the best advice I've heard in a long time. And I just want to mention the book again, Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Marriage. And it's on uh, the Focus on the Family website. It's on Amazon. Um Dr. Greg Smalley, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas are on the way. Thanksgiving's yeah. next week. And you have a few things that you've learned to do, be, of course, being thankful for our spouses. But do we say that or show that? And then tell us what you do every Christmas. Yeah, we are likely to thank a stranger more than our spouse. And so mm. I think a great way to express um, thankfulness, you know, as we walk into Thanksgiving is what I call the cherish list. Make a list of, of all of your favorite things about your spouse. The, the, you know, like the old sound of music. These are a few of my favorite things song. Like that. <laughs> like what is it about your spouse that you love, that you value, you cherish, your favorite things, their personality, their character, their looks, their whatever. And, and, and give that to them. What, what a gift to put that on the computer, print it out, and tell them this is, this is what I cherish about you and what a great way to to be thankful in in Aaron and I do that for each other so that that's a great way to do that as far as traditions um we our middle daughter's getting married so we're we're going to have uh, her fiance her in in Murphy over with our other kids we have four kids total and so one of the things we're doing this year is we're having an ugly sweater murder mystery party. <laughs> and I'm cooking the meal. I found these, like Walmart had this little murder, or uh, they had this little ugly sweater cookie kit. And so we're just going to go all out and have some fun doing a, a, a fun kind of murder mystery party with just our family. Um, and then, you know, I love as we move in the Christmas time, this so during Thanksgiving we'll have a big kind of tree lighting to where we'll get all the decorations out and, and I love doing that as a family so that we can watch my very favorite holiday movie, which is Elf. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's mine and we'll all pick something and, and it's just things like that. It's being together, just doing some some new or different things because the research says that that when you do something new with each other, it reignites the early butterfly feelings within mm. a relationship. So if you want to bring back the loving feeling, just do something new and different during the holiday and watch what that does to your relationship, especially your marriage. Thank you so much, Dr. Greg Smalley. Uh, other than FocusOnTheFamily.com, is there another way people can get a hold of you or in touch? Yeah, no, come there, and we've got all kinds of help to walk with you and and help you have the marriage you've always dreamed of. Yes, including the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Thank you so much for your time, sir. God bless you. Uh, Have a nice Thanksgiving and Christmas. You too. All right, bye-bye. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about those articles we discussed at the top of the podcast right now. Just a minute. Stand up for the truth. Keep it here. 
thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. I just want to emphasize something that uh, Dr. Greg Smalley shared that I thought was gold in that interview that uh, he suggests spouses invest just 10 minutes a day. This takes discipline where both can share uh, the highlight and low light, if there is one, of their day. And he, he said something very interesting. That conversation probably won't happen on its own. So make that happen, friends. That's a good one for me also to implement with my wife, Rosanna. But uh, just 10 minutes a day and such good information. So the book, again, uh, that we discussed at the end, they're reconnected. Now back to the stories here. I got an email from a parent in Virginia. And talk about the onslaught of wickedness in Virginia, of course, it's across the country, but Loudoun County and, and the public schools there, some of the most liberal in the nation, because it's, of course, not far from Washington, D.C., and there's more government um, you know, workers that are living in Virginia than anywhere else. So, good evening. I'm not sure if you've been receiving reports from other parents. However, my son came home from school today and told me that one of his teachers asked my son and two other students with him if they took the vaccine, because she has taken it. So here's a public school teacher asking second graders. This man's son is seven years old. And he says this. It is not their place to be asking students if they are going to take a medical procedure. I am glad I told him if someone asks him about it to let me know. I told the principal regarding this, and he said teachers should not be doing that. But as we know from many parents, they are. So he says, I'm in Virginia. Hopefully with the new state administration that's coming in, it should get better. Thanks for all you do. So this is just one email that I wanted to read because don't assume that it's not being discussed in in your kids' classes, no matter how young your son or daughter is. So let's just be aware of that. Make sure you communicate with your kids Tell me what your teachers discuss outside of, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 10 times 10 is 100 and um, basic English or science or whatever. Um, Man, parents have to be on top of it these days. Okay, the next article, OSHA suspended enforcement of Biden's vaccine mandate. This is just uh, brand new, breaking The Occupational Safety and Health Administration has suspended implementation and enforcement of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for private employers after a federal court blocked the measure. The OSHA website page dedicated to the COVID Vaccine Emergency Temporary Standard, ETS, reads, quote, While OSHA remains confident in its authority to protect workers in emergencies, OSHA has suspended activities related to the implementation and enforcement of the ETS pending future developments in the litigation. So to bring us up to speed, last week, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit blocked Biden's executive order, uh, Emperor Biden's executive order, requiring companies with over 100 workers to mandate vaccination for their employees after temporarily staying it. November 12th, the court ordered that OSHA, quote, take no steps to implement or enforce the vaccine mandate until further court order. 
So the Biden administration claimed government has regulatory power to issue a national medical mandate. So many legal scholars, however, have disagreed, challenging its constitutionality. Now, after the federal appeals court first issued a motion to stay the order, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki still urged employers to implement coercive measures to increase vaccination numbers among their labor forces. So here's the White House Press Secretary Psaki saying, I don't care what they say. Keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. Get everybody vaccinated. That's the agenda. And that's part of their communist policy in America. Communist policy. It's, it's dangerous, friends, when something is being forced on Americans. I don't care what it is. This happens to I just hit the microphone. <laughs> this happens. My hands are flying. Yes, I'm Italian. Um, I don't care what it is, but particularly when something is to be injected into you or your child's body. What's government's role? Boy, we need to get back to the basics on this, don't we? And by the way, I love what Pastor Randy White said last week, or it may have been the week before when we had him on the podcast. He said, in, in years ago or up until recent times, the only thing you would need to say if you did not want something, a medical treatment or a shot or a vaccine or anything from the government or that was recommended, the only thing you needed to say in the past was, um, no, thank you. I don't want it. That's it. What happened to those days in the United States of America, friends? We've got to ask these questions. I know there's a lot of confusion and medical misinformation and there's contradictions from one doctor to another, to one scientist to another, to one globalist to another. But we've got to understand the, the, where we are falling and what we are falling for. So let's get back to this other one real quick. I, this is such an extensive article, uh, new topic here. Well, how many pages is this? Gosh, um, 17 pages. Yeah, how many do you think I'm going to be able to get through here? Um, okay. Oh, that's, um, okay, let's just touch on this one real quick before I get to the Bill Gates story. A, the Associated Press, the word, the word this article used was gobsmacked. I think that's something to do with astonishment or shock. So the Associated Press is gobsmacked because Judge Schroeder is treating Rittenhouse as if he's innocent until proven guilty. <gasps> Imagine. But this is the Kyle Rittenhouse case, you know, they're talking about. So the AP is going, wait, what, what is, it, is this the fair trial? <laughs> they're saying yeah, he's innocent until proven guilty. And, and some of the left and some of the progressive media are saying, well, 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 wait a minute. Anyway, so that's going to be fascinating to see how that will be decided. Look that one up if you're not familiar with that. I really wanted to get to some of this story where Bill Gates gave, this is documented now, Gates gave $319 million dollars. I'm going to insert something parenthetically. Most likely, it's a lot more than that by now. Okay, It's probably a lot more than that. But this is what they have documented. This is what they have evidence of. Bill Gates gave $319 million to major liberal progressive Marxist media outlets. And it's funny, I'm looking at this extensive list, and I don't see Fox News on there. <laughs> it's funny. 
Uh, anyway, let's go through some of these. First of all, um, Gates has enjoyed somewhat of a free pass, right, in the corporate media. This is fascinating with all of his globalist push and his environmental activity and all that. It's, it's fascinating that he has received a free pass, um, wh- whatever he does, whether that be Common Core 10 years ago, 11 years ago in the public schools, or whether that be uh, environmentalist, uh, you know, out interests, or whether that be now vaccines, you know, his patents, whatever, his investments. But he's kind of gotten a pass. You don't hear him come up in the media very often as uh, someone to be concerned about. But my goodness, guys, we need to wake up here. So um, his cash underwrites the modern, modern media. That's what this article really enforces, this point that's being enforced here. So the, the, the journalists, true journalists, after sorting through over 30,000 individual grants, uh, they can reveal, Mint Press can reveal that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has made over $300 million worth of donations to fund media projects. And I'm sure that affects our elections in America. So it's not just the George Soroses of the world that we need to be concerned about or aware of. So recipients of Bill Gates Cash include CNN, NBC, the usual culprits, NPR, which is really a national progressive radio, NPR, which our tax, some of our tax money goes to help fund the Democrat agenda. PBS, part of our tax money goes to help fund that Democrat agenda. And The Atlantic, the usual culprits, right? The usual suspects, the, the, the liberals, the progressives in the media who are anti-American. Let's go on with this story. Gates also sponsored a myriad of influential foreign organizations, including the BBC, The Guardian, the Financial Times, and the Daily Telegraph in the UK. Why is he funding not only American media outlets, but international media outlets? Interesting, right? Also, um, there's one in France, there's one in Germany, Der Spiegel. There's one in Spain, El País, as well as big global broadcasters like Al Jazeera. Did you know the Gates Foundation money goes towards these media programs. And it's split up into a number of sections presented in the descending numerical order. It includes a link in this article to the relevant grant on the organization's website. So just so you know, there's enough evidence here and proof, and they even link you to the grant that's giving money that they're donating to these secular, progressive, anti-Christian, Marxist, socialist, progressive, globalist media Outlet. So let's go through some of them. And there's again, this is I did I say 17 pages, <laughs> but I will put this link in the podcast notes today at standupforthetruth.com. And that's uh, the podcast with Dr. Greg Smalley. OK, so we're putting this link, the Bill Gates donation. The money goes to National Public Radio, NPR, The Guardian. Um, Univision, it's five point what? Five point nine million. No, I'm sorry, five thousand nine hundred. Okay. Um, let's see. NBC Universal Media, 
National Media Group in Kenya, $4,000. El Pais, BBC, 3.6. CNN, uh, 3.6, $3,600. let us see, the Daily Telegraph. I'm just going to, it's such an extensive list. I already mentioned, uh, oh, the Education Post. That's interesting. Um, News Deeply, The Atlantic, Minnesota Public Radio. Why do you suppose Gates has an interest in Minnesota? Minneapolis, St. Paul, the taxpayers from Minnesota funding Minnesota Progressive Radio. Oh, wait a minute. That's $1.2 million. That's $1.2 million. Corporation for Public Broadcasting, $2.4 million from Bill Gates. Al Jazeera, a million. Uh, PBS, only 500000 to PBS because they get our tax money. <laughs> Medium.com. This is what he's funding. Media.com, Pacific News Service, Media Trust. Oh, my goodness. This, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your minds here in a minute. I'm going to bring up StandUpForTheTruth.com, 200 resources you can trust. And I'm going to just go through some of these. And I'm going to bet that not one of these, okay, if there's 200 resources, maybe five or less are on this Bill Gates-funded media source. All right, Pacific News Service, uh, International Center for Journalists. Is that 20? My goodness. $20 million. You know, this would have, the, the word journalism would have meant something different about 25, 30 years ago, maybe more. But today we know true journalism is dead and um, money talks. All right, let's move on. I, like I said, many, many, many pages in this. I'm just trying to pick out a handful. Institute for Nonprofit News, Intermedia Survey Institute, Washington News Council, National Press Foundation, uh, Johns Hopkins University, Teachers College, Columbia University, University of Berkeley. So we're running out of time. I hear the music. I don't have enough time to go to our 200 resources, but none of them are on this list supported by, George, uh, by Bill Gates. Money, by, again, $319 million given by Bill Gates to secular media, leftist, liberal sources. So tomorrow on Standing for the Truth, Kevin Nicholson, he's running for office. In Wisconsin, we're going to talk about some of the key issues that he's concerned about. And uh, we're just going to have a good time talking about some more news stories at the end of tomorrow's podcast as well. Well, thanks, guys. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.